Hello and welcome to another episode of PhD Pending, the podcast for early career humanities scholars. My name is Anne Mahler and I have a PhD in English Literature. Together we will deep dive into different aspects of PhD life and explore what it really means to do a PhD in the humanities. We are kicking season five off with a three-part series all about PhD productivity. And to help us learn more about PhD productivity in general, I have invited Jeff Sanders onto the show. We got to know him in our last episode and first installment of the series. But in case you haven't had the chance to listen to that episode yet, let's introduce our guest. Jeff is a keynote speaker, productivity coach, author of the 5am miracle, the free time formula and founder of the Rock and Productivity Academy. He's also the host of the 5am miracle podcast, which has ranked number one in Apple podcast in the self-improvement and business categories, been nominated for six podcast awards and exceeded 10 million downloads. Jeff has a Bachelor of Arts degree in Theatre and Psychology from Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri. And he and his wife Tessa live in Nashville, Tennessee with their daughter Maisie, Pug Benny and they have a baby girl on the way. In our first episode, Jeff and I talked about time management and how to deal with distractions. We dove deeper into topics like boundaries, to-do lists and multitasking, and what we can do when we feel overwhelmed and drowning in work. We also covered how we can most effectively deal with distractions like emails and working in a shared office space. So definitely go back and listen to our last episode if you haven't done so already. Today we shift our attention to the time that you have carved out for yourself after implementing the time management tips from the last episode. More specifically, I'm talking about stuff like working on your research, writing up a chapter or preparing a conference paper. Those tasks that require deep focus on concentration. With so much going on, it can be very hard to carve out these deep focus times and trick yourself into thinking that you were very productive when Actually, you only got fluff tasks done, but not the essential ones. It's almost like productively procrastinating. I'm definitely guilty of that in the past because I was so easily distracted. And surely the long discussion about Freud's psychoanalysis in the shared office was somewhat helpful for my research. It's really easy to trick yourself into thinking that you got a lot done when in fact it's very little. To come at that and tap into our most productive selves, Jeff and I will unpack what Jeff coined focused blocks of time. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here today. And if we change the trajectory now to what you call F-bots, I was introduced to F-bots in your podcast. So tell us, what are F-bots? And how did you come up with that concept? Well, it's basically what we were just talking about, this idea of blocking distractions. What I realized in my last job was that when I want to do important work, creative work, difficult work, work that involves a lot of my brain cells, I need dedicated time for that. And that means 100% distraction-free time. So an F-bot is a focused block of time. That's it. And I mean 100% focus. I don't mean 99%. I mean 100%, which is actually theoretically very, very hard to pull off. 
But the intention there is that you've given a lot of effort to ensuring that when you said you would do something, you absolutely can do it with as many, much of yourself as possible. Because when that happens, once again, the quality bar goes up, the quantity of work is achieved, the feeling of accomplishment is just incredible at the end of those focused times. I mean, my, my last books that I've written, all of them are written in focused blocks of time at a library because I don't write well at home because I have a daughter, a dog, a wife, the, the internet. Like there's too many things here to pull me away from the work that I need to do. So when it's time for me to write, I need to go to a place that just creates that type of environment where I can excel. And so if that means going to a library or a coffee shop or wherever, I put myself in that environment. I have the materials I need. I have a checklist that I go through that literally says, like, here are the over-ear headphones I've got. I've got the focus music. I have a snack. I have my coffee. I have access to Wi-Fi and a bathroom. Like, all the things I need, they're all taken care of. So when it's time to work, I can just really work. And then all of a sudden, time flies by, amazing things get done, and I feel fantastic afterwards. And so my goal, as often as possible, is to craft these focus blocks of time especially around my most important tasks for the day. And when that takes place, you know, the productivity just is through the roof. Because you're f only focused on one thing, coming back to the multitasking that we talked about in part one, right? Not multitasking, sequential, being sequential is the key essentially, isn't it? Oh, completely. The idea of doing one thing at a time and then you finish it 100% and then go on to the next thing, it's really powerful. I think it's the kind of thing where, especially in, in with lots of major complicated projects, maybe you're involved in a lot of different papers, a lot of different work at one time. It's so helpful to be able to cap something off and say, I finished this, it's done. And then I can give a lot more of myself to the next task without also in the back of my brain still thinking about the last thing I was doing, which is what happens when you're trying to do two things at once or five things at once. And so you want to be able to say, I dedicated time to something, I knocked it out, it's finished, I can stop thinking about it now and just really give myself to the next task. Brilliant. And you just said that you your perfect F-bot takes place in the library, away from distractions, away from family and internet and all the good things in life. But how if, you know, I want to implement F-bots in my work routine now, how do I find out what works best for me? How did you arrive at the conclusion, do you know what, library is the best place for me to be and what time of day even all of those things come down to experimentation and self-awareness and so you're going to learn more about yourself the more that you just try different types of things i mean i've tried working in a coffee shop and realized that certain tasks are great there and others i'm just too distracted you know a library is great for certain tasks for writing but it's also way too eerily quiet for me to do other work so there's a very specific like there's an ideal environment for everything and I just want to be able to test each of these environments and figure out what am I good at and where. And then the win aspect of like what time of day I have learned through lots of different also experiments here that my ideal time of day to work is usually 7 to 11 a.m. That's when I'm most alert, most caffeinated, most like ready to focus. And so I want to craft as many focus blocks in that time frame of the day that I can because I know that once the afternoon rolls around, I'm going to get a little bit tired. I'll, I'll be more easily distracted and I'll require a lot more effort on my part to stay focused. So if I can leverage when I'm ready to work in the location that's best for me with the materials I need with no distractions and I can repeat that process as often as possible, well, then I'm going to get better results more often. And you can always optimize these things long term. You can mix and match how these things work. 
but you need to start and put yourself in an opportunity to to try these things and see what happens and then you know pivot from there it just reminds me of when I was um, in my undergrad and a young researcher and running around like a headless chicken and I was in the library day in and day out because I thought that was what people were supposed to be and where students were supposed to be. And then I one afternoon went to a Starbucks and got so much more done. Mm. So my ideal environment is actually not the eerily quiet you were just talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I actually wrote two undergrad dissertations in a Starbucks. Yes, well, and that's exactly how you figure it out. I mean, for me, it was kind of the opposite. When I was in school, I worked a lot in my dorm room. I worked a lot in my apartment. And then a senior year, I was like, I should go to the library. Try that out. It's like literally final year of school. I went to the library. I was like, oh, I can get a lot more done here. There are fewer distractions for me. So it's just you have to try these different environments to see what works best for you. And, you know, every task may require some different requirements. But it's just being able to say, like, I want to I'm looking for the best scenario here. I'm not just assuming that what I've been doing is best. I'm actively going to engage in what's a better solution long term for me and how can I repeat that more often. And the good thing is that there's also tools out there to mitigate if you don't have the right environment, especially I'm thinking about the background noises here and you mentioned focus at will, right? Yes. So maybe can you tell us a bit more about that? And then I have another tip that I think I mentioned on the show before. Yeah, sir. So Focus Music, there's a variety of services there. Focus at Will is one of them. Brain.fm is a popular one. What these services provide are music tracks that are based upon how our brains function. So they do not include the human voice because it's very distracting. It's just sounds. It's music. Sometimes it's atmospheric music. You know, might be some birds chirping. There might be some a beach wave. What, but these different music tracks are specifically designed for us to get into a focused zone so that when we get into a task, we are like deeply into it. And it's much harder for us to then get pulled out of it, which is ideal because then once you're into something, especially with writing or difficult work that's, you know, academic work is, it really can be like a deep centric, like I'm going to in the zone and stay there. That's really effective. And if you can have music that's going to enhance that ability to get you in the zone, you're going to get working a lot done, get more done faster and with higher quality. And I also wear headphones when I do that because wearing headphones is a like a physical cue for me. But it's also that the music actually gets into my brain in a better way and there's fewer other noises. And I'm just I, once I get into that zone, things begin to happen. It's really awesome. I think that having those extra tools just enhance your ability to get more work done. Uh, when I couldn't work in coffee shops, I discovered Coffeeativity website that yes. lets you pick different kind of cafe background noises. And that worked brilliantly for me. And a couple of colleagues of mine listen to video game soundtracks because they are designed to keep you uh, to keep your attention focused on the game. Oh, interesting. So apparently that helps too. So... Well, it's the same idea. I mean, really, it's th these music tracks are designed literally by neuroscientists who understand how the brain works. They are looking for, like, how is the brain responding to this music in a way that says I can, like, get those neurons firing and just stay there and just keep it going. And that's how we get into the, that's what the zone is, is just that, you know, that brain wave of saying, like, I like what I'm getting. Let's keep that coming. And then the more often you can be there with work that's important, the more you get done. I mean, to that same degree, I mean, I'll go kind of back to my college days. You know, I've tried like ADHD medication that wasn't prescribed to me. I'll just say it out there. I tried different different pills and they do the same thing, but on a super, super high level to the point of it being extraordinarily overkill for a number of people. But they, those drugs are attempting to do what our brains can do naturally. 
Those are just enhanced versions of it. So those kinds of medications, Ritalin or you know Adderall, they're trying to replicate what we can actually do oftentimes with you know, a little bit of, of high quality water or coffee and some good focus music and no distractions. And all of a sudden you're just in the zone and going. And so I think once again, you find what works for you and you leverage that. Now we have our kind of place where we're having our F-Bot. We talked about the background noises, the music to help us stay in the zone. We say so easily, oh, and we have no distractions and our phones are sitting right there <laughs> and Instagram is right there and Twitter is right there. So I know you said a lot of times, just put the phone away, put it in another room, put it in, in the downstairs, right? Yes. What are some of the other tips or even just how can we change our behavior and our thinking on a more general level to enable our brains to focus faster. Do you have any strategies around that? When it comes to focus, we it's a skill. And the more we focus, the more we can get better at focusing. But the opposite is also true, which is the more we're distracted, the easier it is for us to become distracted. And so it's the combination of not just having focus blocks of time where you get into the zone, but also acknowledging the things that frequently pull you out of focus. And the phone is by far the most distracting thing anyone's ever had in their lives. Um, I have my phone on me right now, but it's in airplane mode. So it's not going to ding. It's not going to make noise, not going to vibrate. Uh, so I'm not going to be tempted to look at it. I mean, unless this is a really boring conversation, I want to check Instagram real fast, but like that's not going to happen. So what I'm looking for is an opportunity to acknowledge what am I looking at my phone for and figuring out, can I get that same information from somewhere else or not at all if it doesn't actually matter? So if you're checking the time, you could just buy a watch, right? It's a lot easier and may, may not be as distracting. If your goal is to look at your email, you can do so on a computer and not on your phone, right? You go through these things one by one to figure out what am I actually looking for? And if you're just looking for a distraction, then I would say, try to figure out what, why are you, are you avoiding work? Are you trying to you know, get away from something? And once you figure out kind of the behind the scenes reason why you're looking at your phone so much, you can then address kind of the bigger elephant in the room, which is what am I doing with my time overall? How do I want my day to flow? And I don't want my day to be consumed by constantly checking social media. It doesn't add the value that getting the work done actually would. And so it's just a question of what are your habits and how do you undo the bad ones by acknowledging kind of the reason behind that habit to begin with? And I think that also speaks to what we said in part one about the start and stop habits and the routines to have those in place. I know uh, when I implemented FBOTs in my work days after listening to episodes is that I actually did a one minute meditation from Headspace. Mm. I sat down at my desk. I just popped the meditation in for one minute. And even just that one minute was my kind of cue to be like, right, we're going into the work zone now. This is not, we're walking to the office. This is not, we're chatting to the colleague outside in the hallway. This is, we, we're sitting at our desk and now it's time to work. That was just one of my kind of start habits. And would you say that there's an ideal length for an F-bot? Or is that just an individual choice depending on how you work best or, or even what the task is? Yes, to all the above. So it, there's a lot of variation Fantastic. in this. <laughs> right. There's a lot of variation, but I think that there's a lot of consistency um, with most people's work. So it depends on the kind of work you do, but it's oftentimes we're doing the same types of work recurrently. So when I wrote my last book, I know that I needed about a four-hour block of time to write well because it took me about 30 minutes to really get into the flow. And then once I got in it, 
I would get a lot of good work done for a few hours, but generally about hour four to five, uh, my brain begins to get too tired. I need to stop. So I know that my energy will only go so far. My focus will only last for so long, but I know that I need a good chunk of time for that kind of long-term writing versus a smaller task. Like an email could be a 30 minute block of time where you go in, you do a lot of quick tasks real fast and then it's over, but it can still be a focus block. It just has to have a clear start time, a clear end time. And the length of time will depend on what it is you're trying to get done. So if, you're, if your goal is deep work, is to really get into something, you're going to need more time for that. So a longer two, three, four-hour block. Um, I wouldn't do much longer than four because at that point, you're going to need some food. You're going to need some refreshments. Right? We can't go on forever. But you want to figure out what's going to work for you for the type of task it is and the environment that you're in. And that's why I like your focus or your um, idea of the F-bot a bit more than, for example, the Pomodoro technique. Um, I'm sure you've heard of that before because it is very restricted in the length of time that I know you you can vary it, but you know, you only have so much time before it's indicated that you should take a quick break. And it just never really worked for me because as you said, some tasks just, take a very deep focus and just longer. If if I'm researching, if I have mornings blocked out for research, it's not going to be a case of, oh, I'm going to research for 20 minutes and then take a five minute break. Like, that's just not how it works. It just never really clicked with me. So I really like the idea of having like a longer amount of time to be able to like really dive into something. I've never been able to do deep work in 25 minutes. Like the idea of doing anything important that quickly is kind of silly to me because if it requires a lot of brain cells, it's not going to happen in 20 minutes. It's going to take a few hours of really getting into something. And so as much as I think the Pomodoro has a potential for certain types of tasks, longer form deep work is just not it. I fully agree. And it was the thing in our office. I remember starting the PhD and we had actual sheets up explaining the Pomodoro technique <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> on our on our whiteboard. And I think what I'm also trying to say here is that productivity is something very like personal and individual, right? And you yes. just have to pick the tools in the toolbox that work best for you. And yes, I mean, productivity is definitely subjective. It's very personal. There's a lot of variation to it. Uh, But the principles really don't change, which is that we all have things we care about that we want to get done. We need some focus to make sure that things are going to happen. So it's really just figuring out how can you adapt the principles to fit with your current schedule and be willing to pivot that schedule when your seasons change. So I definitely have different seasons of work where I'm doing different types of projects. And so my strategies I use today will be different in two or three months. They're not going to be the same forever. And so I just want to pivot which ones I'm using to optimize the work that I I really care about right now. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. So amazing. We talked about the F-bots, which is uh, one of my most favorite parts of of things that I learned from you. And I think that's a great point to wrap up the conversation. Jeff, thank you so, so much. Where can people find out more about your work if they want to learn more about your philosophy of productivity and everything that you do? JeffSanders.com is the website and the 5am Miracle podcast is probably the best place to begin to dig into the work that I'm doing. Uh, I do have a couple of books, the the 5A Miracle book and the free time formula. So lots of the, you know, conversations here around productivity, uh, F-bots, uh, panic attacks, all those things I discussed in lots of detail in those books. If you want to really get into the nitty gritty of productivity, uh, there's a lot there to dig into. 
Amazing. Jeff, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Now we want to hear from you. What's your favorite way of ensuring that you get the deep focus work done? And will you try to implement FBOTs into your work routine? Let us know and join the conversation on Instagram and Twitter. As always, you can find the show at PhDPenningPod or write an email to PhDPenningPod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe to the show and consider donating to our Buy Me A Coffee page so we can keep creating content for you. I will see you again here in two weeks with our third and final episode in the introduction to PhD productivity series. This episode of PhD Pending was written and produced by me, Anna Mahler. Artwork by Jerome Kelleher. You can find the show on Instagram and Twitter at phdpenningpod or write an email to phdpenningpod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and make sure to rate us five stars so others can find it too. You can also donate on our Buy Me A Coffee page so we can keep creating content for you. The link is in the show notes.